You're listening to Eye on the Ball with Steve Rivera. This podcast is a Bustos Media production on The Voice. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Eye on the Ball here on 1030 The Voice. I'm your host, Steve Rivera. In with me is Tom Callahan. Tom, how are you? I'm not doing too badly, Steve. How are you today? I'm fine, thank you. Much much anticipated show today. Trying to get back on our feet here after the weekend. Everybody in seclusion, pretty much. A lot of things going on. You know what today would be? Uh, man, today could be a lot of things. Uh, are we talking? What, what sport are we talking? But uh, we would uh, college basketball. I was going to say it'd be the men's championship game tonight, wouldn't it? It would be the Monday, yeah, men's championship. Yes, no brackets to be filled, no money to be won or lost, no nothing. Nope. I don't even know who I would have picked to to win it all. It would have been a crazy time. It was a crazy season, and as as we end it, it's still crazy. You know, and it will continue to be crazy because, Steve, if, if uh, I mean, I can't imagine this not having a ripple effect on not only, you know, teams going forward, but recruiting, coaching. Um, what are you going to do about rosters next year and, and talking about, you know, how, how many extra spots are you going to have to have? And will that turn certain players off from certain programs? I would think so. Yeah, well, it's not going to happen to the to this winter sports, which basketball is a winter sport. So they're just kind of status quo. They just missed out on what could have been a something big, or just missed out on something that would have been normal. Um, I'm not too sure too sure how far Arizona would have gotten this year. Their track record to this point, or to what three weeks, four weeks ago already, it would have been sketchy at the most. Um, maybe they would have caught fire. Maybe not. Um, I, I didn't see them getting past the second round. Maybe getting to the Sweet 16. I didn't see that happening. They were too inconsistent. I just don't know who would have won it. Um, there were so many good teams in a weird way. You know, the bottom, the the best teams were, who knows, who knows. Dayton was pretty good. Obviously, some of the mid-majors were fantastic. San Diego State, teams that you don't usually see at the top. I feel like you would have had Gonzaga in there somewhere because you, you have a shine for them. Uh, me or people? You, 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 you seem to like what Gonzaga oh, I, does. Well, you know what? I don't know. Depends. I do. It's it's funny because I got a call from like uh, one of my favorite cousins yesterday. He called in to see how I was doing, and he's he's in Spokane and he's now a Gonzaga fan. And it's it's and, and I get corrected by the people from Spokane all the time because it's gone Zaga. It's gone. You're gone Zaga. And um, uh, I don't know. They were good at times and. Not so good, maybe a time or two, but you're you're probably right. Do I have a little uh, bias there? That's not good. I don't think you have a bias. I just think you 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 appreciate what they're doing. You like that program. There's nothing wrong with appreciating and liking what they're doing. Yes, in fact, in fact, we talked about that last week. I thought uh, I think maybe with Greg Hansen when we talked about. I think that that the Gonzaga has um, has kind of superseded Arizona in terms of basketball strength in the West, if not the best team in the West. Oregon, second or third, and then, um, I don't know, San Diego State, uh, maybe, maybe, you know, I don't even know who's fourth or fifth. It doesn't really matter. I mean, Washington was supposed to be better, I thought, but yeah. weren't. No, yeah. No, it's hard to say because USC was coming, then they got in trouble too, and, you know, St. Mary's was a decent team in the, in the WCC. 
Uh, it's hard to see. It's hard to see. There's not really many very good programs. Nevada was had a chance. They didn't uh, take it over. Alford, no, the coach. Stanford, forget about it. You know, there aren't very many good teams. Or would you just say there's a lot of parity? Uh, <laughs> in the West, yes, a lot of parity, and, and not in a good parity way, in a in a mediocre parity way. And Arizona has fallen into that. You know, I mean, I, I know people love Sean, and I get it. I get it. He's done really well in love, overall in 10, 11 years. But the last four years have not been Arizona standard seasons. I think we can maybe agree with that. Yeah, oh, I would I would definitely say that. Certainly, Steve, we talk about the lofty expectations that... Oh, okay, here, let me put this to you. Are those lofty expectations still there, or did they used to be there? And now everybody's like, well, you know, I just kind of like to make the tournament and, and go a round or two. <laughs> Where I are think we? there's some of that. There's about... 10 to 15% of that in terms of let's just get to the tournament and see what happens. They didn't get there last year. Uh, the year before, they were knocked in the first round with one of the better teams or talent. Uh, this year, they would have been, what, a 7-8-9 seed. Not good, uh, considering that they went into the year picked maybe in the top two or three seeds. Um, that's a good question. I don't know. Expectations will always be high here because I think people in this town, whether right or wrong, they think it's still a basketball school and they deserve who they deserve. But I think you've been my host for long enough to know that I've said this a few times, uh, comparing them to the Dallas Cowboys and the mentality of the Cowboys. Well, they're the Dallas Cowboys. They deserve to be at the beginning or the top uh, among the leaders of the um, of their conference, the division, and have a chance for the Super Bowl every year. Well, good for you. A good way to think, but it doesn't always work that way. And I guess, too, it's, it's when we talk about recruiting and the challenges there is do recruits still look at Arizona as a team that deserves to be there, should be there, and therefore still has that shine to them as a basketball school? Well, yeah, no, that's a good good point. And in fact, you saw, I think I saw your or heard your uh, your promo coming into the show with the, the Brown kid from Seattle coming in uh, from the next year, the grad transfer. Uh, so they're still going to get pretty good talent. Um, we still don't know what's going to come of the NCAA uh, uh, sanctions or, or letter of, uh, letter of uh, allegations. We'll see what happens with that. But there's no question talent's coming in. Just look at the freshmen from last year with Mannion and, and Josh, uh, Josh Green and, and, um, and uh, Zeke Naji. So the talent's still there. Whether he can coach him up or whatever, that's the big thing. This year, that didn't happen. Uh, but um, that's the whole thing right now. They're getting transfers from other schools. Um, his, his recruiting class is not going to be loaded with great talent in terms of top 10, 25, or whatever it is in high school. And Steve, I think you you had a key phrase right there, coach them up, because isn't that what Sean Miller did a lot at Xavier when he brought those kids in? He coached them up. Sure did. No, no, that was his specialty. That was his uh, his thing. He did that here, too, when he first got here. He had um, Williams, uh, the Williams kid, now he just lost his first name, um, who was fantastic. And early on, he just kind of overachieved, did really well, was one shot away from the Final Four, and... Um, it just didn't happen. And then they had the other the other group of guys, you know, Aaron Gordons, TJ McConnell, Rondi Hollis, uh, Ashley, Brendan Ashley, those guys who, who played really well, just got caught up in a buzzsaw named Wisconsin. We'll see what happens. We'll see. It's still, it's still uh, 
All this is fluid, day-to-day, and we'll see what happens next year. It's funny, though, and I'll talk more about this in today's show with Matt Moreno at 632 about recruiting, and, and we talk about it often. He's in a dilemma. Do you go after guys you can coach up, or do you go after the one-and-dones that you know are going to have just a cup of coffee here? I mean, you kind of, he's, and he's put himself in that situation where what do you do uh, when you recruit? So that'll be Matt Moreno at 632, and then we're going to have uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Mr. Uh, <laughs> I said a good friend of mine, Francisco Romero, who's a long, long time Tucsonan, and now he's the, uh, the, the voice or Hispanic voice of the Houston Astros. So we'll see what he can get into or talk about with what's happened with the Astros. And I guess the baseball season would have started already, correct? Yeah, we'd Opening be, day we'd would be have happened into last it. Week. Yep, we'd be into it. Yeah, so there's a lot of... A lot of stuff that we'd be into where we're not right now because of what's going on with the coronavirus. Are you ready to take a break? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do that. Uh, let's come back here on 1030 The Voice and talk to Francisco Romero on the other side. Hey, welcome back to Eye on the Ball here on 1030 The Voice. I'm your host, Steve Rivera. And now on the phone with me, I have a good friend, Francisco Romero. How you doing, Francisco? Shouldn't you be on a baseball field somewhere or in a press box? Oh, Steve, thanks for having me on, but... Uh... I think I should be, but not really. <laughs> I think I'm better at home right now. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the way of the world right now. Are you, are you still in Tucson? Yes, I'm still in Tucson. Uh, I was finishing up the basketball season with Arizona once we got, uh, you know, the call from the authorities and the uh, health officials, officials, MLB, and my employer. So uh, I was um, asked not to go um, to work back <laughs> And so, not in not in a you know firing type of way, but because of what's going on, so I stayed in Tucson. Yes. Yes. Let me set set this up, Francisco. You're kind of born and raised here, correct? Uh, now, longtime voice, Hispanic voice of the uh, Houston Astros. Uh, let me ask you, because I have to, as a journalist, can you talk about what's happened with the Astros in the last year or so? Uh. I, I, I really not talk about uh, in terms of what's going on or what went on and all that stuff. That uh, that's not on uh, my alley. So I literally just concentrating on that's on other topics. <laughs> that, that that's fair. No, I get it and didn't involve you anyway. But I get it. I get it. Hey, uh, I seen recently that you've been pac- uh, posting a lot of stuff on Facebook uh, about your career, who you met, and things like that. What prompted that? And you've met some pretty big time people. I'm sure you're kind of living out your dream. Yes, indeed I am. And, and the reason I did it, I think I did it the wrong way on Facebook because I've had so many people ask me about how to get into this career. And that was what I was trying to do. But I think I did it wrong because I put it in an album when I should have just put put it in, uh, in a bunch of pictures. But what I wanted was to describe each picture that I posted. And the reason I did it, not to show off what I've done or anything like that, but to show people... Uh, where, where I've been and who I've been with. And I even asked people if they wanted to ask questions about how to get into this business or, or, or how I was able to get in and to do so because I've had so many people ask me and I can't really tell them, you know, you, you know most of my story, but I, that's, that, that's my message uh, of, of what I've done and where I've been. And if they want to ask anything about my career, how to get in it, what to do, what kind of uh, studies, what kind of degree, you know, you go ahead and ask me that. That was my whole point. But I guess since I wanted to describe each picture, it went into an album on Facebook. 
Right, right. And you've met some pretty fantastic uh, former uh, major league players, current major league players. Obviously, your your dream was to do this, right? Your you, you know to do exactly what you're doing. Exactly. When when uh, when I was uh, I was born and raised in Nogales, Mexico, and uh, I used to watch a lot of baseball. We used to play a lot of baseball there. And since my father always worked in the U.S., we had you know the gloves and balls and bats, and we lived in Nogales. And uh, once our balls would go down the the hills of the of Nogales, we'd play with my uh, sisters' uh, dolls' heads and stuff like that. But the thing was, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, that's a true. This is a true story. Though, but my, we always had the you know nice gear, but they would always go down the hills, and 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 we lived on top of a hill in Nogales. So if there was a home run or a fall ball in our in our backyard, so we had a, a huge uh, wall. Uh, then we would have to use something else after a while. Until my dad came back from the U.S. with with gear, but but yes, uh, once I moved to the U.S., uh, it was the Fernando Valenzuela era, 1981, and we couldn't hear the games in Spanish, and I didn't speak English. Not that I speak English now, but but I, I spoke less English, and so we were trying to hear the games, and uh, by by you know just by dialing on the radio, we found uh, the, the Vince Scully's uh, uh, broadcast, and that's how we started hearing the games. So my and, and I think I told you before, when, when, when we were on the way to Tucson from Nogales to live here, I said, man, one day I don't want to die without touching a, the grass on a baseball, on a real baseball diamond. <laughs> that was my dream to broadcast baseball, yes. Sure, sure. No, and, you, and you met um, uh, Mr. Scully uh, not, too, not too far into your start of the career. Actually, my first baseball game, in the majors broadcasting was uh, the Dodgers against the Diamondbacks. I was working for the Diamondbacks at that time. And so it was, I think, I think I was Kevin Brown. I, I want to say it was Kevin Brown versus Randy Johnson, but the biggest thrill was uh, meeting Vince Scully uh, right before the game at, at, um, at, at Chase Field's uh, uh, media dining, which you know very well, I'm sure. And so, uh, you know, all the broadcasters and everybody just eats, uh, you know, dines there. So I got to meet him, and we got to talk for a good 15, 20 minutes. Media dining, of course. Why do you think we get into the business? We get free food. Oh, we have to pay for the food now. <laughs> it was five bucks at that time, I think. <laughs> but it was good food, yes. Yeah. But yeah. Look, hey, hey, what do you mean? Your best photos in the summers are the food they feed you in the Houston uh, press box. Hey, we got to be friends with uh, my broadcast partner, Alex Lavinia and I. With the with the executive chef, because you know how they promote uh, the food at the stadium. So he would always take us a, a food that they were promoting. But we got to be good friends with him. So now he once in a while they ask us, "Hey, what do you guys want to eat?" Or sometimes when they when or whatever they have something special, they take it to us. But the worst thing is that we dine at the media, at media dining, and then he comes in the second inning with food. So sometimes we're already full, but he stays there to watch that we eat it and then he asks us if we like it or not <laughs> but we have to eat it I mean uh, you know I, I wouldn't pass that up <laughs> you you were getting so flaco too and and now not so much <laughs> not so much especially being at home uh, 24-7 now <laughs> and my wife cooks very right right right, right right no question I guess opening day would have been last week um, you would have gone back you would stay in Houston how, how is that for you could you live half the, half the year in Houston and then you come back and do the football team here and the basketball team yeah so I leave right before 
uh, I, I broadcast the last two spring training games, and that's where I live. I get my apartment, and then I live there throughout the whole season. Sometimes I come back during the All-Star break. Sometimes, not every, not, not every year. And then once the season ends, uh, then I come back to Tucson and go on, uh, and go on with the full Arizona football and basketball, yeah. How was it? So did you catch a lot of the football, uh, part of the football season that just passed with Arizona? Not really. I actually, to be honest with you, I only got to broadcast one game because of uh, I was going to the World Series. So I only got to broadcast mm -hmm. one football game, and and I did the whole basketball game, basketball uh, season. I mean, but but only one football game. So I didn't really get too much of what was going on with Arizona, mostly from what you guys wrote and following you guys and following the game and listening to the games. But but that was it. So I, I did miss a lot of it. So I, I kind of wanted to go here. I know you're an Arizona fan. You've been a long-time Arizona fan. Uh, you saw one football game and then a, the season of basketball. H how difficult is it? You're not Brian Jeffries, but you're still kind of it to the uh, to the Hispanic crowd to be positive and to be enthusiastic uh, despite what's going on. Well, uh, football is always exciting in, in Tucson. It's, I mean, It's no secret. We 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 like for it to be a little bit more successful. I think uh, uh, the pieces have been put there. You just haven't panned out, and you're there at every game, so you you see it firsthand. You saw more of the football games than I did, and but uh, it gets to the point where you have exciting players, and you know, Coach Summon is there, and then whoever he brings, and you know, we get excited. I don't know. It, it just hasn't panned out the way we or they have planned it, or or the way it could have been planned. Uh, so, so I mean, some of the pieces are there, and sometimes you think it's going to happen, but it doesn't. And we fall short. So, on that end, being a part of it, and having gone to UVA and graduated from UVA, being my school, my alma mater, you know, you want to win so bad, you want the program to be uh, so good. It, it, it does give a lot of hope to the people. But but still, you still want to you want to get that Rose Bowl, you know. That's all of our dreams. And so, a few years ago, we you know we won the Pac-12 South, and so it does get you excited. But then sometimes that's the way sports is. It's people think it's easy to put together a program when it's really, you know, it's not that easy, especially in college. How about basketball? Bas oh, basketball, you see the talent that comes through here. Oh, my God, I wish they could stay <laughs> two or three years, some of those guys, and imagine how many championships we would have won already. But this this season was so exciting in terms of, uh, of I mean, the, 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 the talent and the youth, sometimes, as you see throughout your whole years, that, that the talent uh, uh, has to, or I think the, the age has to catch up to the talent. Because once you have that combination, especially in college, it's uh, it, it's a different story. Uh, can you imagine our, our freshmen this year catching up to their to their talent, their age? Their uh, in, in, in Spanish we say colmillo, your 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 tooth. You know, if you if you file mm -hmm. it so good that you know if, if it catches up to that, can you imagine uh, having those freshmen for the next few years? Uh, Arizona could probably be a you know a champion a couple of times. But but that's right. the way it is, and you know the one and done, and, and so on and so forth. 
But, uh, but uh, Francisco, so that, we got to go. I, we got to go. Hey, buddy, thanks for calling in. I appreciate your time. We'll see each other after 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 we get out of this mess that we're in. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Hey, welcome back to Eye on the Ball here on 1030 The Voice. I'm your host, Steve Rivera. And now on the phone, I have Matt Moreno of Go AZ Cats. Matt, how are you? I'm doing good, Steve. How are you? Fine, thank you. Uh, are you still hunkered down in L.A.? Uh, yeah, for now. <laughs> for, for now and for a long time, you're going to have some gray hairs like me. Oh, I know. We're all going to come back looking different. Yeah, you need a haircut already. Hey, um, so Arizona's been busy chasing down some recruits. They got one today or last night in the Seattle kid. Tell me about him. I guess he was not a project, or maybe you saw him four or five years ago when he was a high school player, but wasn't considered that great, but he's turning into a player. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I'd have to go back and think. I don't remember him off the top of my head, ever really seeing him or watching him back when he was a high school prospect, someone who went the JUCO route. Uh, stuck around Seattle, stuck around his hometown, uh, went the junior college route, ended up going to Seattle University just a few days ago, announced that he was going to transfer, uh, left open the possibility of returning to Seattle University. And uh, so you, there was a little bit of, okay, maybe this is not going to happen. <clears throat> and then uh, Arizona gets involved right away. It was one of the first schools that called, to, called, reached out to him and called him and kind of made that initial contact. And then here we are a few days later and, and he's, committed to Arizona and, and moving on from Seattle and going to be someone that, you know, potentially really is a big part of what Arizona does next season, whenever next season arrives, um, because he was one of the top scorers in the country this year. Uh, he finished number 20 overall in college basketball in terms of scoring, uh, can really do a lot of different things. Obviously, that's at a different level than Arizona. He's playing in the whack. It's not Pac-12 basketball. It's not a high major. But uh, to be able to score like he, like he showed he can do, um, to do all the different things that he's done. It's going to be someone that was kind of uh, vital for Arizona to have in this class. And I think if there's any hope for people that Nico Manuel is going to be coming back, I think this signals, hey, they're moving on and they're looking for other pieces because they're going to need some help at the point guard position. Yeah, no question. Didn't we already learn the lesson with uh, Mr. Dylan Smith, given this kind of same type of scenario? Uh, yeah, and that's my thought about it too. I don't necessarily, I mean, it's not up to me whether I, you know, whether they agree with me or not, but I don't, this feels like the same story that we've been through a bunch of different times, um, you know, just plugging holes and just trying to find pieces to fit into the roster. I don't know that it gets you any close. I know it doesn't get you any closer to where you want to be ultimately, um, but he is a very good player and someone that can help this team and, uh, you know, help, help uh, fill a need for what they have and what they're going to need going into next season. But, uh, it's kind of the same old story uh, in terms of just finding someone who can kind of be a stopgap for now until they can figure out what to do next. And that really hasn't led uh, anywhere anywhere that Arizona wants to be. Uh, they haven't really gone deep with this type of roster. And um, we'll see what it means adding someone like Terrell Brown uh, to the team next season. Doesn't this more give you an indication, not so much about Nico because he's gone. He was, he's been gone from the program in terms of being known that he's going to be gone. When Sean publicly announced that he was leaving, but more so about Brandon Williams, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. And I think he's, I mean, for people who are in the know and, and people kind of have a better idea of what's going on, it's always kind of been up in the air whether or not he would come back. I think there was those, myself included, who believed that he's, he's played his last game at Arizona. Uh, he might have played his last game of the basketball in his career because that situation with the knee sounds like something that's not going to ever go away for him. It's going to be something he continues to struggle with. He's already had a couple surgeries on it. 
Uh, it just doesn't sound promising. And so I agree. I think it does send a, a sign about kind of what in, what the future holds for him, what Arizona's going to need. And obviously you have James Akinjo, and people will come back to that and say, well, they have him coming in. But if you remember, he came in at the mid-year point. As things stand now, unless he gets a waiver to play right away, you don't know what the process is going to be like for him in that situation. Uh, he's not going to be able not going to be eligible to play until, uh, you know, conference play next year anyway. So you're going to need somebody to step in and uh, kind of hold things down. And uh, so that's where someone like Terrell Brown fits in. But uh, definitely, I think it, it kind of throws some doubt into whether or not someone like Brandon Williams is going to be back on this team next year either. Yeah, no question. Um, and then again, another year of kind of uh, putting this thing together with a bunch of pieces that uh, that haven't really been around for a long time. Uh, but but we'll see what happens. I, I still think there's a talented group there. I, I don't know how how high they'll finish, but it's not going to be the Arizona team that we've seen in a long time. Um, you know, in terms of being competitive at the top level. I, I, am I wrong? No, I, I think it's going to be a better version of that team that everyone saw two years ago. Um, I don't think it's going to be this team that everyone saw last season. It might, it might be, it might be close to that, but this team also kind of underachieved in a lot of ways uh, this year's team. And so I think it's going to be kind of somewhere between the last two years. Uh, I think it's definitely more talented. It's shaping up to be more talented than that team two years ago when things really fell apart and they ended up losing in the first round of the Pac-12 tournament, got sent home, didn't even make the NCAA tournament. I don't think it's going to be as bad as that team was, um, but there's definitely something to – you know, to build from and, and to, uh, that they need to build up to because um, right now they're not really in great position for a five-star recruit, which uh, if they don't land Zaire Williams, which it looks like he's going to end up going to USC unless something really takes a turn here these next couple weeks or next few days, whatever, he ends up making his decision, um, then they're not going to get a five-star recruit in this class, and that's kind of what they've built this program on and what Arizona has done so well over the years. And so they're going to have to piece it together. They're going to have to look at more transfers. They're going to have to look at other options and um, figure out what they can do. But uh, I think it's going to look definitely different than what Arizona had this season and probably closer to what they had a couple years ago. I saw a quote uh, in Bruce's story today about uh, uh, from the kid from Seattle saying that uh, they were honest with them uh, up front. Um, and I was expecting more of the quote to go. They were up front with me. He knows what's going on for the next year or two. Uh, I didn't read that way, but that's what I thought might be said. Do you think that um, the recruiting that he's doing, which I know he's doing, is is uh, altered or affected by his contract that's not not renewed after t- with two years left on it, and then everything else, you know, bubbling up? I don't think so. I mean, I think I think fans and us in the media probably put more into that than recruits do. Um, I think that's the hardest thing for people to do on the outside is to put themselves in the shoes of recruits. It's a lot different thinking. It's a lot different thought process. For someone like Terrell Brown, he's going to be on campus for how many months? We don't know. Obviously, there's a lot up in the air in general for when anybody's going to be on campus. But uh, in terms of, of his time on campus, it's going to be a very short span. He just needs Arizona to be there, to be in position to, like everyone else, put him in the best position to move on and have a chance at a pro career. Um, that's so much of what the recruits are looking at right now is year to year. And, hey, I need to go there for one year. I need to go there for nine months, whatever it's going to be, to get me to that, to that next step. And so I think it doesn't play into that as much. I think for Arizona fans who want to see the program go in the right direction and continue to compete at a super high level, they would love to see that change where you have players who are thinking about two or three or four years down the line. But right now when you look at the prospects that Arizona is recruiting and the guys that are going to be in play – at a school like Arizona, they're not thinking about two or three years down the line. So I don't think it comes into their head as much as um, it does with, you know, with us in the media or just the general fan. 
Yeah, in fact, we talk about this uh, not so often here, but we do talk about it every now and again. Um, he's he's at a crossroads, um, I'm the he being Sean, uh, where you go after the five stars and get them or don't. And then if not, you're getting these guys. And in fact, I saw um, some guy posted somewhere on, on the internet saying, oh, here we go again, another marginal player from somewhere else that's coming into the program. So he's damned if he does and damned if he doesn't uh, when recruits either five stars or no stars. Oh, yeah, and you see it all the time, and I laugh at those. I kind of just leave them alone on Twitter because the same people who are complaining that they lost out on a five-star recruit are the same guys who are, you know, complaining that they, they go after too many five-star guys. So uh, it's interesting to see it play out. Fans kind of don't really know what they want. I think they know they want winners, and they want a winning program, but there's not a real clear recipe to get that done. And Arizona has continued to dig in. They've shown it again by adding a guy like Terrell Brown today where – they're con- going to continue their approach. They're not going to adjust that in any way. They're going to still try and go after transfers. If you look at the last several years, there's been transfers, so many transfers on the roster. If you look at, and I post, I tweeted about it today, at the end of this season, there were seven guys on the roster, seven scholarship players who started their careers at another school. Uh, that Some of them weren't eligible. A couple of them had to continue to sit out, Jordan Brown uh, and, and James Akinjo, but uh, they have a lot of guys every year where they're, they started their careers at other schools, and it's just kind of how they're building the roster. It's how they're going to continue to do it from the looks of it. They're continuing to stay very active on the transfer market and look at those options. And um, to me, the biggest thing, if you're looking for a negative for Arizona and maybe why they're not recruiting at, a, at the level that they've been used to, uh, it's the on-court performance. They just haven't – that's something that recruits do look at. They look at, hey, what's happening right now? What's happened in the, in, what's happened in the last year or so, the last few months? last few weeks they look at the immediate and for Arizona there's not a lot to point to when it comes to success they've had their struggles in the NCAA tournament they haven't won as many games as they had you know early in the um or midway through the last decade and and they just there's not a lot of immediate success for those recruits to look at and it's something that you know impacts them on the recruiting side yeah no question how has it been for you since you have to be at home and do your work from home following the recruits uh, it's different for sure. I mean, obviously, right now, this time of year, it would be uh, we'd be talking about kind of the transition between the end of basketball season into the kind of heavy recruiting season. So, uh, in a lot of ways, it stayed similar, but it's it's different in that I won't be able to see these recruits up close, and coaches aren't as well. They're they're going to have to try and figure out what they're going to do and when we'll actually be able to watch these players in action and you know in in front of our own eyes. But uh, that's this time of year is kind of when I really learn a lot more about who Arizona's recruiting and kind of get a better feel for what these players can do. And uh, that's the difficult part about it is there's not those events. All those events have been canceled. We're not able to kind of do those things. But from the day-to-day, it's, it's not a lot has changed. Uh, it's still working the phones and, and trying to keep up with as much as possible and stay on top of things as much as possible. I think uh, someone asked me the other day, you know, has Arizona had to change its recruiting style, what it does recruiting-wise? And They've kind of incorporated a lot of that anyways, kind of the remotely working and, and, you know, going through text and going through these other outlets to kind of do what they do recruiting-wise. I know they use a lot of multimedia in their recruiting, a lot of videos, a lot of things like that. And uh, that actually helps you in a time like this when you can still send those videos, can still have those conversations with those, uh, you know, with those coaches and recruits and, and still have that stuff going on where it doesn't have that much of an impact on you. And Arizona's kind of been prepared for that even without really trying to be prepared for it. Yeah, okay. Can you stick around for uh, a few more minutes on the other side of the break? Yeah, sure. You're, you're not doing anything in L.A., are you? 
<laughs> no, I can. Let's take a break here, Tom, and come it. back on the other side. Talk to more, more with Matt about maybe football a little. Welcome back to all here on ten thirty. The Voice. I'm your host, Steve Rivera. Today's the only. I think I'm the only live show today from local sportscasters. Man, that's cool. Hey, uh, Matt, uh, let's talk football. I think I don't know if I t- asked you this last time we spoke, uh, but um, I think I talked to Michael Lev about this. Uh, if there was a team that needed spring practice more than anybody, it was Arizona. How do you think this affects them for next year? It's so tough to say, and it's something I've been kind of throwing back and forth and kind of trying to write about and think about as this process has gone on. But I agree. I do think that there's no team that needed spring practice more than this team when you think about you know, the wholesale changes they made to the defensive staff, how many new pieces are coming on board, and, and how many players they need to get ready for the start of the season to have success. But, uh, you know, just the natural progression of, of everything, and especially they're going to be, you know, putting in a, a new defense. They only got a few days into that. And, um, you know, you're now putting a lot of responsibility. Everyone else is too, but on the players to, you know, do the work themselves and do the work at home in which some of them are going to, you know, still kind of keep the same level of intensity that they would have had if they were, you know, near the coaches and, and on campus, but some of them aren't. And so uh, this was definitely one of those times when Arizona needed to be all together, I think, and have that month of spring practice to really get on the same page and really try and get this thing going in a new direction. So I think it does hurt uh, in a lot of ways. And, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see once this all kind of clears up and they're able to get back together, what the team looks like, because there were some promising moments, but there was a lot of work to be done. And that's, one of the things you heard a lot of through that first week of spring practice uh, before everything was shut down was there's you heard the coaches be pretty honest, especially on the defensive side. Paul Rose, the new defensive coordinator, reiterated it a bunch of times that they have a lot of work to do. And um, that was one of the themes that kept coming up was that there's just a lot to get done in a short amount of time, and they're still going to have that work to do once they um, get back all together again. Yeah, no, no question. A lot of work to do. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, and you're in LA. I know you aren't talking to anybody on the street or whatever. And maybe other sports writers. There's a chance that the football season might not even start on time if played at all. What do you feel? What kind of sense do you have? It's been a tough thing to read. I mean, just to me, based on how everything is and how everything is being received out here. Obviously, the governor out here in California is said, oh, we're not worried about, you know, playing football games. That's not on our mind. That's worried about getting people healthy and getting everyone kind of ready to, you know, get back out to work at some point and, and just stay healthy. And so um, based on that and just based on kind of the feeling, it just doesn't feel like it's bound to take place on time. It feels like there's going to be some kind of delay, whether that's, you know, just starting the season later, moving the entire season over and shifting it to a different period of time where it goes more into the spring and gets closer to – you know, being in the, closer to finishing in the spring or, or just a shorter season in general. But uh, it just feels like at this point it's going to be impacted in some way. I just don't think, based on where we're at right now, based on the things that I hear on the news out here every day, just kind of what uh, everything that's been going on, it just doesn't feel like it's going to be business as usual. And I think there are still people who are holding out hope that that can be the case. And once the summer hits, this thing kind of dies down a little bit more and people are able to get back to work a little bit easier. But I still think there's going to be that time when, people are still afraid to, you know, go out and be in big crowds and do that type of thing. And so uh, I just don't imagine, I'm not one of the people who sees them playing games without fans. I just don't think it's realistic. I think it's a good idea. And, and in theory, it's something that would kind of appease everybody. But 
Um, it just feels to me like it's going to be a delay and, and the season's not going to start on time, but we'll, we still have time to kind of see where that goes. But it just feels to me like there's going to be some type of delay and things aren't going to be as normal and as expected when it comes to football season. Arizona fans were already distancing themselves. They were already doing that. Yeah, there's been a few jokes on our message board where, some, where someone said, uh, you know, that they're not going to have any problems at Arizona games social distancing. They were kind of already practicing that the last couple of years. So that's kind of been a running joke right, on our message right. boards. Well, I'm sorry I'm late. I'm late to the message board party. But it's true. I mean, this is the one of the things that they cannot afford to happen because they need people in the stands. We've already saw, what, 28,000? I know they were saying 30-something, but it was more like 25 to 28,000 people in the stands. They can, and they need the money. And, and if basketball is affected, holy moly. Yeah, it's hard to imagine them not be. I mean, I think at this point, everyone's going to be impacted by this. And the media obviously is right. impacted by this. And everyone, every kind of walk of life is being impacted by this thing. And obviously, sports are not at the forefront of everybody's mind. Everyone in general is just thinking about being healthy and trying to avoid, you know, getting sick and having people die. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, sports is such a big part of everyone's lives. that It, it has a lot of the focus, but... Uh, yeah, it's it's definitely been an interesting time to kind of see it all play out, and everyone's kind of trying to take it day by day. But to me, it just feels like the way people are talking and the way people are preparing that it's it's not something that's going to continue to go uh, as usual and as planned. No, do you get out at all? Have you picked up an LA Times lately? Uh, not lately. I'll get out from time to time. I've tried to kind of just stay home and do my own thing and uh, try and do my best to kind of do my part, but. Uh, I haven't really picked up the LA Times. I've looked on online. Obviously, it's uh, right there for me, right at my fingertips. So I can do that, and uh, I've paid attention to, at different times. I usually have a TV going in the background with different channels. There's so many different news channels out here that you can kind of find something on at, at all times. So I kind of keep that on in the background just to keep paying attention because there's so many press conferences and updates and everything from all over. And so uh, it's been interesting to watch. But, yeah, I, I've kind of tried to keep tabs, but I haven't gone out and you know explored and, and picked up a paper in a while. Well, the reason I ask is because they moved their sports section. They don't have a sports section. I guess they moved it into another section because of what's not happening in L.A. Yeah, I mean, and obviously that's something that everyone has to kind of think of on the fly and everyone has to try and adapt to. And with no sports going on other than, you know, some NBA players playing each other in video games and not being broadcast, there's just not a lot to report on right now. Uh, For me, thank goodness, it's been kind of pretty busy uh, just with all this recruiting movement and everything going on. But, yeah, I mean, it's definitely different for everybody and uh, I haven't checked out the actual physical paper so I hadn't seen that yet but uh, again it wouldn't surprise me it wouldn't shock me yeah so maybe lastly I, I know you sent me uh, your your column on the because uh, we haven't talked about it the scheme what were your impressions from it uh, I think we all kind of and maybe maybe I just don't know that in agreement there was really there was a nothing sandwich in, in terms of news or new nudes new news um, that um that it was it was okay. We already knew this stuff. What's the big deal? Not 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 what's the big deal. There was just no new news. Yeah, and I, I had that same take, and I think it, it almost reminded me of something we've talked about on your show before, where we have a story and, and it's a story on a smaller scale, and then someone comes in and blows up the story, and everyone goes, "Hey, why didn't you have that?" Where it kind of just opens <laughs> it up to a broader audience, and um, I think maybe there were some people who don't pay attention to everything, who didn't maybe understand the intricacies of the story. Uh, that have a better idea now, which is a positive thing, and they have a better understanding and kind of can now better kind of realize what was going on, and maybe it's more real to them now that what was taking place and all that goes on with, you know, college basketball recruiting. But overall, it wasn't 
a ton of new information other than hearing Sean Miller, you know, in his own voice, kind of say some of the things that we've heard and read on transcripts rather and, and known he said and known he's been talking about, but it was nothing new. And to me, my kind of big takeaway from it was if you're of the mindset that Sean Miller is guilty of whatever, whatever wrongdoing, uh, your, your stance was only strengthened by what you heard and saw. And if you're on the other side of that and think he didn't do anything wrong and, you know, that he's innocent of any wrongdoing, your stance was strengthened by what you heard and, and saw. And so it was kind of one of those things where at the end of the day, both sides are going to feel good about their own stance. And, and I don't know what that means for everybody for the bigger picture, but that was kind of my feeling about it was um, both sides kind of could come away saying, oh, no, look, I'm right. The other side say, no, I'm right. Look, at this kind of backed up what I was saying. And so that's kind of my big takeaway from the whole thing. Is, uh, is uh, Dawkins believable? To a certain extent, I do agree with some of the things that were said in there about, you know, coaches and why would they be lying on, on a tape that they don't know is being recorded during a conversation with their friend. But uh, I think a lot of that was embellished. A lot of the stuff, especially in his personal life and things like that, he clearly wanted to be this kind of figure at the head of this whole thing and someone who's very popular. And I think that was kind of expressed if you watch different parts of the documentary, that he's someone who very much likes the attention and likes to be, you know, someone that is front and center. And so... Um, I think some of that was a little bit exaggerated, kind of the parts about that. And um, But I think there are certain parts that you can believe him on. He was so involved in so many different aspects of it that I, I think you can believe him to a certain extent. But I don't know that I believe everything he had to say in that. Yeah, right, right. Well, Matt, be safe. We'll talk to you soon. Appreciate your time. Take care. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Yep, same to you. All right. Take care. That was Matt Moreno of Go AZ Cats. Tom, are you still with me? Yeah, I, I'm here, Steve. Just drinking my coffee and listening to... I, I enjoyed the social distancing joke about Arizona football. Uh, <laughs> gave me a little bit of a giggle. Ba-da-bump. Yes, yes. Ba-da-bump. But it's true, though. They, they have nobody in the stands. And it's going to be a disaster if, if they're not any good, one. And two, this continues to be uh, in the scare zone. You know, when you, you know, should we go to the game? I don't know. What about the tailgating? All that stuff. It's just not just here. It's all over the world. Well, absolutely. I mean, any place, especially, I mean, you want to talk about a social atmosphere, college football tailgating and NFL football tailgating in certain places. That is a massively social atmosphere. And, um, you know, uh, Dabo Swinney caught some flack for saying he thought college football was going to start on time. And uh, President Trump, in his conference call with league commissioners, kind of caught some flack, too, for saying he'd like the NFL to start on time in September. And I'll tell you what, Steve, it's very telling to me that NFL, uh, you know, maybe GMs or Board of Governors members are kind of flinching at a September date. That tells me, uh, really, that every league that's suspended here over the winter slash spring, including the NBA and the NHL, I don't think we're going to see them finish their seasons this year. No, I I totally agree with you. It's it's just the the moving uh, the, or the line in the sand continues to move back and move back. Look at you had the uh, the Kentucky Derby moving to September. A lot of things are moving to September. The Masters uh, is in November that's now. Being hopeful. Right, right, right. It's just a lot of different things. And and I get it from Trump saying that he's hopeful. I, I think we're all hopeful that it ends quickly. 
but the realistic version um, is that it's not likely to. And then there's, let's assume for a second it does. There's that caution period of should we or shouldn't we? Should we or shouldn't we? Some guy goes out, oh, maybe it's safe to, you know, to go out and dip the feet in the water. There are no sharks out there. You know what I'm saying? It's, it'll take a, a time for people to kind of be relaxed or at least more uh, or less, uh, less crazed about it. Sure. Yeah, exactly. And the, those people who buy tickets and come back, look, the hardcore fans are going to come rushing back. But the casual yeah. fans are the ones that you need to attract more often than not because you'll always have your season ticket holders. So how do you yeah, bring no those question. people back? How do you convince them it's safe? Yeah, no, you, you're right because they love the school. They love the, the uh, fandom that it is, and they'll be part of it. They just don't know when or how to be part of it. Uh, there's no question. Everyone, the thing is, everyone's in the same boat, and it's not a fun boat. No, it's not a fun boat whatsoever. And man, none of us want to be in this boat, but here we are, and we've kind of got to make the best of it, I guess. Yeah, no question. Um, so here we are, Monday. It would have been championship night. Uh, who would have been your team? Uh, you know, probably Duke, honestly. Just kind of default to the <laughs> legacy program and, and just hope they, they caught fire. It's funny because I, I, I was going to say the same thing. In fact, I did bet it maybe two months ago because I think they're like 10 to 12 to 1. And I'm thinking Duke's never 10 to 12 to 1. And maybe they would have caught fire. Who knows? We'll see. Maybe we'll catch fire this week, Steve. I'll talk to you again tomorrow, Tom. Thanks, Thanks a bunch. Take care.